continue with our service as we listen to God's word from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ indeed has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. For as in Adam, so all die so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if you haven't been with us over the last few weeks, you won't know that we've been doing a little series on the 39 articles, uh, on some of them, some of the individual ones. And the 39 articles are statements of faith, that spell out what the Anglican Church believes. They are statements of faith of our doctrine, our theology. And for some people that sounds terribly, terribly boring. Really? We're going to think about theology? Uh, That sounds a bit theoretical. It sounds a bit intellectual. I hope this is not just going to be head, no heart, that kind of thing. But I I trust, and please tell me if this is not the case, I trust that one of the things we've been seeing over the last few weeks is that that's not what theology is like. Theology means literally knowledge of God. And just like any relationship, the better you know someone, the stronger that relationship can be. And so theology is getting to know God better. It's getting to understand better who he is, what he's like, how we should live in response to that. And so practical implications flow out of these statements all the time, all the way through. And today we're looking at, uh, as Neil said, the resurrection. And again, you might, even if you didn't have a problem with the 39 articles generally, you might go, well, resurrection, really? Uh, that's pretty familiar. Didn't we just have Easter, Jay? Yes, we did. But I'd like us to dig a little bit deeper today in a way that I can't normally do on Easter Sunday because we're limited by time. Uh, we've normally got more visitors. This is me speaking to our normal church family where I can speak a little more frankly uh, and in a slightly different way. We're going to dig a little bit deeper. Now, nearly all of us know and understand at a head level that the resurrection is clearly important in Christianity. Uh, It's in each of the the three main creeds. What are the three main creeds? Nicene, Athanasius, well done getting that one second, and third, Apostles. Uh, Those are the three, those are statements of faith from the olden days where where Christians put together the truths that hold us together. And down through the centuries, Christians have stated those uh, truths together to say what it is that we believe. We say one. We'll say one next week as we have communion. Which one will we say next week? Nicene Creed. That's very good. Very encouraging. Uh, The resurrection is in all three of them. 
we have three main remembrance days in Christianity on the, on the Christian calendar. What are the three? Christmas, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. Resurrection makes the top three in terms of remembrance days. So we know that the resurrection is important. But what does it mean and what should we focus on when we think about the resurrection? I don't know if you've ever considered it before. The moment of the resurrection isn't mentioned in the Gospels. I always find that slightly interesting. I think if you were going to make a movie of it, that the, the moment that death is conquered and Jesus rises might be the main moment in that movie. Uh, and yet in the Gospels it's not focused on. The resurrection appearances of Jesus is focused on. The meaning of what it means that he's risen is focused on, but not the actual moment. But when you're talking about the resurrection, one of the things you've got to discuss when we come to the resurrection is we have to discuss death. And death is tricky to talk about. Uh, It's tricky because in our culture, in our world at the moment, we like to keep death at arm's length. Uh, Lots of people now don't grow up being around death, seeing dead bodies. It's kept at a distance. As soon as someone dies, they're whisked away, made to look like they're not dead and we're, we're kept at an arm's length from all of it. So it's not really around us as much. Death is also difficult to talk about because for some of us, death is all too real. And I say that today because I know that there are some amongst our church family right now for whom death is way too close. Our death looming, the recent death of a loved one still so painful, the impending death of a loved one approaching. Uh, And therefore I don't want to speak flippantly today. I don't want to make things worse. But we need to speak about death and the stark reality of it if we're going to speak about the resurrection meaningfully. So it's tricky to talk about death because for some it is very, very close uh, and, and almost at a point where it can break us. But it's also tricky to talk about death for the exact opposite reason for that. Because although there are some even in this room this morning for whom death is very close and this is very difficult, for many death is not close at all. In fact, it's the last thing we would ever think about or consider or ever imagine would happen to us. Uh, I don't uh, agree with a lot of the things that uh, Sigmund Freud uh, said, the Austrian founder of uh, psychoanalysis, but in his book, um, Reflections on War and Death, I do agree with him on this. He's speaking about the way that human beings put death aside and he talks about them, that we've got a tendency to put death to one side, to eliminate it from our thinking, to hush it up. In fact, he says, at the bottom of everything for human beings, none of us believe in our own death. There's a lot of truth in that for many people. But I want to tell you this morning, you only think that for a time in your life and then there'll be other times when you cannot escape it because death comes Sometimes it comes in the blink of an eye. Sometimes it comes suddenly and unexpectedly. Sometimes it comes slowly and painfully, but it comes to each one of us. And despite so many of us refusing to think about it or reflect on it or consider it for large chunks of our lives, it is all too real. And unlike most things in this life, it's final. Most things in this life change. Death is final. I see death more than a lot of people in our society. One of the um, privileges of my ministry is to be with people often while they're dying or in the process of it. It's not one of the joys but it is one of the privileges and it is real and it affects people, death, profoundly 
in a way that hardly anything else in life does. And yet so many of us live pretending as if it will never affect us or ignoring it. We prepare for retirement because we know it's coming. We do not prepare for death. So it's tricky to talk about death because some of us feel so, it's so close, it could break us. Some of us never hit it at all. It's, it's difficult. I actually, I don't often do this. In fact, the regulars at St Stephen's will probably show some shock right now. I'm going to show a clip. Uh, which I, I don't normally do in, in sermons. It's a, it's a music video by Johnny Cash and it's called God's Gonna Cut You Down. The clip, Johnny Cash sang this just before his own death. The video clip was made, I think, three years later, which gives it a different kind of spin as you watch it. Uh, it's possible to just watch this video. It's only three minutes. It's possible to watch the video and just look for the celebrities because all it is is celebrity after celebrity after celebrity singing or clapping along to Johnny Cash's song. It's packed with a who's who. Uh, and all of you will be going, oh, I know that, I know that, I know that. Uh, don't do that. Can I encourage you? Well, do that. But I encourage you to listen to the words that Johnny Cash is singing as well, the words that he sang close to his own death. I also want to say there's one shot for one second where Kate Moss should have more clothes on. It's not, there's no nudity, there's nothing kind of in that, but for those of you with a a slightly higher conscience like myself, as soon as you see Kate Moss, if you want to blink, it'll be over by the time you've reopened your eyes. I've made way more of it than I I needed to, but can we put the clip on, please? Well, you know, Johnny always wore black, and he uh, he wore black because he identified with the the poor and the, uh, and, the, and, the, and the downtrodden. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news. My head's been wet with the midnight dew. I've been down on bended knee, talking to the man from Galilee. He spoke to me in a voice so sweet. I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sleep. He called my name and my heart stood still. When he said, John, go do my will. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. You can run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Well, you may throw your rock. Hide your hand, working in the dark against your fellow man. But as sure as God made black and white, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. 
Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell them that God's gonna cut you down Tell them that God's gonna cut you down Tell them that God's gonna cut you down You can run on for a long time Run on for a long time Run on for a long time But sooner or later, God will cut you down That's what so many of us do in this world We run on for a long time as if that race will always go It won't We need to acknowledge the reality of death And I like the phrase in the song too That uh, sooner or later God will cut you down Because that's quite confronting at first And you go, well that sounds very But there's something right So many people in this world think that when we die We just are extinguished Or it's just passive It's not We will face our creator We will face the one who gave us life And for whom we owe everything It's a very powerful song I think I do think it's Well I think it's incredible that so many celebrities Who um, uh, to me I don't want to be too harsh But to me seem to do whatever they can To turn back time and hold on to youth And put off death Allowed themselves to be in a song Which speaks so starkly of the reality of it And so this morning In the face of death in the face of the stark, profound reality of death, let me say something about the resurrection of Jesus because this makes all the difference in the world. And I only really want to say one thing, but there's a couple of things that hang off it, but the one thing I want us to say and see is that Jesus' resurrection is real, it's literal, it's physical. And I want to say why I want to make that point so strongly this morning. It's real, it's literal, it's physical. Because there are things in life and there are things in the Bible that don't have to be literal to be true and important. And as soon as you say that, some Christians kind of shift uncomfortably in their seats. And So let me say it again because I'm going to back it up in a moment. There are some things in life and in the Bible that don't have to be literal to be true and important. Think about uh, Aesop's fables. I don't know that there was a literal horse at horse tortoise and hare. But I still get the point of that parable, uh, fable. Uh, In fact, it's given me a lot of hope in life. But it's not literal. There's a lot of Jesus' parables, which I don't think are literal. But we can get truth and we can get meaning from them. The resurrection is completely different. I want to say that again. The resurrection is completely different. If Jesus did not defeat death and come back to life physically actually, really, then the whole card house of Christianity falls flat. I know I don't always spell things out as starkly as this. I am this morning on this topic. Christianity, when it's at its strongest, has always been clear on this. Look at how Article 4 in the um, 39 Articles puts it. Is it there? Thank you. Article 4. Christ did truly rise again from death and took again his body with flesh, bones and all things appertaining to the perfection of man's nature wherewith he ascended into heaven and there sitteth until he returned to judge all men at the last day. Now that's actually not just the resurrection, it's got the ascension and it's got the second coming. But do you see the strong words on the resurrection? Do you see the lengths that it goes through to make it very clear what it is? Christ did truly rise again from death. Body, flesh and bones, you cannot make it any more strongly. It's almost graphic in terms of what it's saying. Why? Why spell it out so clearly and strongly? Surely, 
and I'm, I'm sure we'd all agree on this, surely one of the features of Christianity down through the years, one of the sad features of Christianity is that we are great at arguing with each other and falling out with each other over things to do with Christianity. Have a think about all the things that Christians still debate and discuss and argue over today. The six days of creation, the role of Israel, the millennium, the way you should be baptised and who should be baptised, the role of women in leadership, the gift of tongues, church government. If all of you haven't shifted slightly uncomfortably, as I've even mentioned some of those topics, you've probably not thought about it enough. We argue over lots of things as Christians and some of it gets very heated. And so when you're writing down the the few things we all need to agree on, you keep it to a minimum and often you use language that's a little bit woolly, that's a little bit loose so that it allows maximum buy-in and allows people to interpret their own way. And I want to say just before you think I'm hassling that kind of thing, I'm for that in most areas of Christian life. Keep it to the minimum of the essentials and do things in a, in a way which allows a little bit of uh, flexibility. And I think we fall out too easily, we judge too quickly and too harshly too often as Christians. But there are some areas where things are so fundamental, where they are so crucial, so foundational, you cannot allow wriggle room. The resurrection is one of those areas. That's why I love it that the article is so strong that it talks about flesh and bones. And of course that fits in exactly with the tone that the New Testament takes about the resurrection of Jesus. I hope you picked it up in the reading that Karen read so well. That that reading can be quite confusing. You need to follow it. Karen's sense of it was brought it out altogether. But Paul states there a number of things which highlights the implications if Jesus wasn't resurrected. And did you pick up on them? Look at verse 14. Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, our, that's him and the apostles, he says, if Christ hasn't been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we, that's him and the apostles, are found to be false witnesses, liars about God, for we've testified about God that he did raise Christ from the dead. Paul basically says, if Jesus didn't rise physically, uh, literally from the dead, then why bother reading the Bible, which is the words of the apostles, or listening to them because they're liars? They can't be trusted. They shouldn't be trusted. But more than that, he says more than that. Verse 14, he says, if Jesus wasn't raised, our faith is useless. That's an incredibly strong statement. But he says it again in a different way in verse 17. He says, our faith is futile if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But then he goes on to explain why a Christian's faith is useless or futile. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. What does he mean there? Why would a Christian still be in their sins if the resurrection didn't take place? Didn't Jesus on the cross say it is finished? Well, because it is finished on the cross, but the resurrection is the one thing that shows that the cross worked. His sacrifice, acceptable. The forgiveness he wins, uh, successful. The life he gives that means death is defeated, works. The resurrection shows that the cross was effective and we're not in our sins. It shows you that your forgiveness is assured. If you ever get down on yourself and wonder if God can really forgive some of the terrible things you've done, and we all have those moments, if you ever feel kind of down on yourself, one of the things you want to do is look at the resurrection and know that the cross worked. Look at the resurrection and know that sin is not as powerful as the risen Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection shows it. 
But Paul still isn't finished. He's still giving reasons why, uh, why Jesus has to have been raised. And if Jesus didn't rise, verse 18, then those who've fallen asleep, that means died, those who've died in Christ are lost. And then he says, if only for this life we've got hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than everyone. Friends, that's the truth. Without Jesus conquering death, truly, physically, none of it makes sense. None of it works. And Christians should be pitied. They should be laughed at and mocked because it's all a sham. Do you see the power and strength of what Paul's saying here? This is not one of those aspects of the Christian life we can just agree to disagree on. or It just comes out in the wash. Your view, my view, it's all equally valid. This is fundamental. If I were to ask you today, think about this for a moment. If I were to ask you today, could your faith survive if proof came to light that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead? How would you answer that? Could your faith survive if proof came that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead? The correct answer from the New Testament, as shocking as this might sound, is no, it couldn't. It couldn't. Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, the apostles are liars, the New Testament is untrustworthy, the cross didn't work, forgiveness has failed, the dead are lost and Christians should be pitied more than anyone. That's the reality if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But friends, Jesus rose. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus conquered the grave. He destroyed death. Nothing could hold him down. And as bleak as the picture is, if that didn't happen, the reverse is more than more wonderful. Because it happened, everything's changed. Because it's the truth, the whole of life and existence is different in a glorious way that we can never do justice of. Jesus rose physically, actually, really, and it means that we can have absolute confidence that death is not the end and we have a clearer picture of what lies ahead for us. Death is not now something to fear in the same way. It's lost its sting. We've already sung of that. And as I said, it gives us a clearer picture of what awaits us. What awaits you and I is a new resurrection body. I can't wait. I point that out because sometimes Christians are muddled about what life after death is like. And I understand that because the Bible doesn't spell it all out. But it spells out a number of things very clearly. And one is there will be a physical resurrection for all who die in Christ. And we will live in the new heavens and the new earth, I take it on the new earth, in resurrection bodies. In other words, we won't spend time as just an eternal bodiless soul, perhaps with wings, in heaven. That's not what's lying ahead. We will have a resurrection body living on a, on a recreated new earth. Uh, see in verse t- uh, 20, it describes Jesus as the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. It was also in the song Resurrection, because this is a phrase used of Jesus. That's very important, that phrase first fruits. What does it mean that Jesus is the first fruits of all who die? Well, it means that we will be similar. If I was to plant an orchard of some trees, but I lost the front of the packet so I didn't know what seeds were in it and the first fruits came out. Oh, look, it's a pear. What I wouldn't do is then go, oh, I wonder what the rest of the trees will be. No, no, they're pears. The first fruits tells me what's coming. Jesus is the first fruits for you and I. We will rise with resurrected bodies. 
and they're described. I didn't put it in the reading that Karen brought, but it's later on in the chapter. Let me read out what it's like. Paul says, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that's sown perishable is raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonour, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in, in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. Now that doesn't tell us exactly what it's going to be like, but it tells us enough. It tells us it's going to be good. And when we look at Jesus' resurrected body, we see a few things too, don't we? We see there's some continuity. It bears the marks of his scars. He touches, he eats, but there's also some discontinuity. He can appear and disappear. He doesn't seem bound by some of the same physical rules. And I've got to say again, this sounds good to me. I've complained to my wife for a long time about the body the Lord gave me. So it's good to know I've got something much better in store. I admit the Lord might say it's the way I've treated what he gave me and that's probably an element of truth. But you and I have new creation bodies in the new earth. Christianity is not about a bodiless soul, it's about a resurrected body. Christianity is not a religion of you reject the material and only hold on to the spiritual. God created the world and it was good. We spoiled it, the new creation will be good too and we won't spoil it. But the resurrection body is going to be great and it's the resurrection that assures us of it. This body of mine is perishable, dishonourable and weak. Yes it is, but it will be raised imperishable honourable and powerful. My body started off fairly pathetic, spent only a few years to reach a pre-average maximum capacity and has been plummeting downhill ever since. But my resurrection body will be totally different. How do I know? Jesus rose. Jesus rose. The good news that we preach, the good news that we want the world to know stands and falls on the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead You can run on for a long time, but sooner or later, God will cut you down. But what that song doesn't go into is, the same God that cuts us down gave his son to die for us and he rose and that makes sure that being cut down is not the end. And so today I want us to be sure and certain of the resurrection. I want us to be totally confident, totally assured because of what it means. It means that for those of you for whom death is all too real at the moment, No, it is not the end. Everything has changed because of Jesus' death and the resurrection proves it. Know that. The resurrection shows that the apostles are not liars. The New Testament is trustworthy. Our sins are completely wiped clean. The cross worked and we are more privileged than all people. Take heart in that. Hold on to that. Your Lord and Saviour is the one who conquered death and you can trust not only your life but your death to him. I said before that uh, I sometimes see people and pray people as they're dying or just before they die. When I meet with people that are dying and I pray with them, I do not offer them false hope. I do not give them what I think they want to hear or a, a wish list. I offer them Jesus Christ crucified and risen. I offer them the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ with all the confidence and the assurance that that provides. It is done. We may rest in peace. I couldn't do it otherwise. But for those of us like the ones in Johnny Cash's song who run for a long time, run for a long time, don't pretend. Don't ignore. Death is real. It's inevitable. It is profound. But it's lost its sting. 
and we want to tell the world of that good news. We want the news to hear it. I pray that we will know it ourselves and share it. On the third day, he rose again and nothing is the same. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that on Easter Day we say he is risen. He is risen indeed. And we thank you for the truth of it and the difference it makes to everything. Father, please help us hold on to it. This morning I want to pray particularly for those for whom death is all too close at the moment. May they know the difference, the joy, the confidence and assurance the resurrection of the Lord Jesus brings. And Father, for the rest of us, I pray that we would share it with the world around us, a world that needs to know, because we can't run forever. We pray this in the name of the crucified, risen Saviour and Lord, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.